Greetings, fellow travelers, vagrants, explorers, wildlanders, and welcome to episode 37 of the Retro Wildlands. My name is Nomad, and this is my gaming podcast where I like to share my thoughts and experiences with a video game that I have discovered or rediscovered while roaming the gaming wildlands. Thank you very much for tuning in to the show today. If this is your first time hanging out with us in the gaming wildlands, please accept my warmest of welcomes, and I am super excited that you found us. Didi, our canine expedition leader, will be around to welcome you by giving you the official sniffing of the leg. So once that business is handled, be sure to give our boy a good scratch behind the ears before settling in by the campfire. For you returning wildlanders, welcome back my friends, and I hope life is treating you well. Let's not waste too much time getting situated today, though. Didi has been getting scouting reports of some unsavory individuals roaming the wildlands this week. A gang of outlaws is making their way through the hillside, ransacking and raiding towns and causing all sorts of chaos. However, there's been stories of a lone gunman who's been roaming the lands with a sunset on his back that's been taking the fight to the outlaws and restoring peace to those that had it taken from them. On today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at a game from the original Nintendo Entertainment System that completely passed me by when I was younger. It was sort of a retro run-and-gun shooter with a Wild West theme. And just like tales of the Old West that were told around the campfire or at the local saloon, I only ever heard third-hand stories of this game and rumors of how the experience was. How the gameplay was so solid that you'd get sucked into it for hours and hours on end. How tough but fair it was, and you never got frustrated while you played it. How it made your fingers bleed after you played it for so long. I had always been interested in giving this game a go, and I finally did, and I am very eager to tell you about my experiences. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Gunsmoke. Now, I'll be very honest, my friends, Gunsmoke is a game that I absolutely wish I would have played much, much earlier. I don't want to spoil the whole episode before it even starts, but I had a fantastic time with this game. Literally within the first couple minutes of gameplay, I knew this was going to be a game that I was going to enjoy and want to complete. It has been a while since I've had a game that really sank its hooks into me like Gunsmoke did, and I hope I can do the game justice on the show today. Gunsmoke is a vertical, auto-scrolling experience where we take control of the lone gunman named Billy Bob as he clears out several levels of outlaws, bandits, Apache warriors, and even ninjas for some unknown reason. The game itself is pretty fast-paced, and it's up to you to move Billy Bob around the screen while hammering your A and your B buttons so you're constantly slinging lead at the enemies trying to take you down. Gunsmoke is the sort of game that has practically no filler, and every moment you spend playing it has a purpose, and never feels bloated or drug out. The best way I've heard someone describe this game is by comparing it to a fine cut of steak. Gunsmoke isn't a very big cut of meat, but what's here is void of any fat. It has a nice char on the outside, and when you cut into it, you get nothing but delicious juice that flows out and a flavor that is just euphoric. And when you're done with it, you feel completely content. And for a game that's almost 40 years old, that is something to behold. If you're looking for a game that's not going to waste your time, give you a solid gameplay experience, and have you having fun within the first minute of turning the game console on, 
Gunsmoke is the game for you. And I am very excited to tell you all about this game and why you should do anything you can to play it. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I like to take a little bit to chat it up with you all, as well as give you all a peek behind the scenes here in the Retro Wildlands before we get to the heart of the episode itself. Depending on what's on my mind, I like to talk about what's going on with the podcast itself, what games I might be playing, what's going on in my personal life, any projects I'm working on, and whatever else comes up. I'll also read and respond to any comments that I received when I put a call out for them on our social media for this episode. If none of this sounds interesting to you and you just want to get right to my thoughts and experiences with Gunsmoke, no worries, just skip ahead about five to seven-ish minutes and you'll get to the Gunsmoke conversation. I'll also have timestamps loaded into the show's description if you want to know exactly where you need to go. But feel free to stick around. We'll talk about video games and other stuff and we'll have a little bit of fun. So gather around the campfire, my friends, for our intro segment that I'm going to start calling Campfire Ketchups. So things around the Retro Wildlands remain busy for me, which is always a good thing. I've been fortunate enough to finish up a few retro games while still hammering away at some modern ones, all while balancing promoting the podcast, interacting with you all, other podcasters, keeping up with my full-time adult job, spending time with my family, and making time for myself. I am constantly feeling like I'm doing something, which is good, but at times it can be pretty overwhelming when I step back and look at the entire mountain. But the weather is getting warmer here in Ohio, and spring is upon us, and I am looking forward to what's ahead this year. So as far as the podcast itself goes, I've mentioned before that I'm slowly uploading our back catalog to YouTube so people can check us out over there. Before I started this podcast, I really wanted to get into making video reviews of games, but just didn't quite get myself there. I have a review of Parasite Eve over on our YouTube channel, but that's been up for about a year now, and that's about as far as I've gotten with video reviews. However, I finally got a video review posted on YouTube for an indie game that I played that I really wanted to tell the world about, so you can check that out on our YouTube channel if you're at all interested. The game itself is called Thy Sword, and it's a retro-inspired hack-and-slash platformer. It was on a few sales recently, so I decided to pick it up on a whim and absolutely fell in love with it. I bought it on my PlayStation 4, but I also realized that it was cross-buy with my PlayStation Vita, so I played through it twice on both consoles and I loved every second of it. If you're bored one day or looking for a game that's not too involved that you might want to pick up, check out my review of Thy Sword on YouTube. I am pretty happy with how the video itself turned out, and I would love the feedback, too. I'm thinking of putting together more short reviews online like this, especially for games that I don't think I can make a compelling enough podcast out of, so if it's something you dig, let me know. Beyond that, it's business as usual here in the Wildlands. I'm working to network with more people in the podcasting community to not only grow the show, but also learn and grow as a podcast host, audio editor, and overall human being. I've been fortunate enough to network with some awesome gaming podcasts and people, and I just wanted to say that I am very grateful for the time given to me, especially by you for even listening to the show. 
There's at least one podcast that I'm currently working on now where I may be appearing as a guest, so I'll pass along information on that if you're interested when that gets finalized. Some of the games we might be talking about are ones that I've been wanting to do on this show, so it'll be fun to chat it up with some other podcasters about some of my favorite games. And if you yourself have reached out to me to chit-chat, or you've interacted with us over on our social media pages at all, I just wanted to say thank you. I've been having a fantastic time getting to know some of you and talking about video games. I'd like to think I'm doing a pretty good job of keeping up with comments that I get and DMs that I receive, but if I miss you for some reason, know that I have at least seen your words and I appreciate them, so keep them coming. Speaking of social media, just for a quick plug of that, we have a presence over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you search at Retro Wildlands. Of the three platforms, our Facebook group is growing pretty quick lately. As of this recording, we currently have 175 followers over there, almost 100 on Instagram, and about 65 on Twitter. Now, that's not to get you to follow us if you don't right now or anything. I just wanted to shout out how awesome it is to me that anybody would give me their time or attention. Seriously, I started this podcast with the expectation that nobody would want to listen to the show, but here we are, slowly growing, and I am absolutely humbled. So if you want to join us over on our socials, I would certainly love to have you. I try to post something video game related at least once a day, and I try not to bombard people too much, so if you're looking to add just a little bit of retro spice to your timelines and feeds, come on over and check us out. As far as any games that I've been playing, I am juggling quite a few right now. As far as retro titles go, I finished up playing UN Squadron on the Super Nintendo a few weeks back, and I'm considering doing a podcast episode about it. UN Squadron is a side-scrolling shoot-'em-up that I'd go so far as to call a hidden gem on the Super Nintendo. It's a great game I think most fans of the genre would like, but goddamn is it tough. I've also been playing a bit of Bonk's Revenge on the TurboGrafx-16. Now, I do not own a TurboGrafx-16, so I'll let you figure out how it is that I'm playing games on it, but Bonk's Revenge is actually my very first game on this console. It's a side-scrolling platformer where you play as this little caveman dude named Bonk, and his ginormous head is what you use to combat enemies. The gameplay was pretty decent, and I've had a pretty good time with it, but it is a little clunky from a control standpoint, so it has been a little rough. I'm not sure if I'll dedicate an episode of the show to Bonk's Revenge or not, but I do want to point this one out. I do think it is a pretty fun game overall. Now, some of my fellow gamer friends seem to be a bit divided on whether or not this game is good or not, so we'll have to see how it shakes out one of these days. As far as modern games go, I'm still chipping away at Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line on my Nintendo Switch. That's the Final Fantasy Rhythm RPG game. While I'm not completely through all the main content that the game has to offer, I have about 25 hours into the whole experience so far, and I think I'm ready to finally talk about this one. This one, I'm pretty convinced we'll get an episode of the podcast, so be on the lookout for that. I'm not one to be into rhythm games personally, but I love the music in Final Fantasy, and I do love the RPG mechanics that are baked into this game. I think most people will like it, and it makes for the perfect on-the-go experience if you get it on your Switch. I love being able to just crank out a song or two here and there, level up a few characters, and then just go about my day. 
it's been really fun to play, and it will probably be a game that I go back to for a very long time. Speaking of the Switch, I cracked open Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, and hot damn, I am loving this game too. I've only played through the first couple of levels so far, but I am in love with this game and cannot wait to experience more. I've played a good chunk of the older Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, and Turtles in Time is obviously one of my favorites. Shredder's Revenge takes that formula from Turtles in Time and just cranks that dial up to 11. Shredder's Revenge is one of the best beat-em-ups that I've played in a long time too, and I cannot wait to sink more time into this one. And I can foresee this one getting an episode of the show as well, so if that's something that interests you, look out for that. And I'll shout out this too real quick. If there's a video game out there that you think I should cover on the podcast, be sure to reach out on social media and let me know. While I have a pile of games that I'm revisiting from my youth, I've also been having a fantastic time discovering some new games based on your recommendations. A good chunk of the episodes that we've done on the podcast so far have been from recommendations from listeners like you, so let me know if you fancy anything specific. It's not going to guarantee that I'll play your game, but I will absolutely consider it. Alright friends, I think that is enough chit-chatting for one episode. It's time to get to the reason that you're all here today. It's time to talk about Gunsmoke for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Curtis over on our Retro Wildlands Facebook page chimed in about Gunsmoke and said, I never got to play this one either, but I'm looking forward to the episode. It's always great to hear about a hidden gem that I may have missed, and there are a lot of them. (laughs) And that's exactly what I would call this game, Curtis, a hidden gem. I don't really have a sense of how popular this game was, but at the end of the day, it's a solid gameplay experience, and I think anybody can get into it. It's pure shoot 'em up fun and one that I think anyone will enjoy. And don't worry about missing out on anything, my friend. That is what makes gaming fun, am I right? This game may not be 100% perfect, but it is 100% fun. And nothing beats discovering something new, especially in the vast wilderness that is the retro gaming world. Thanks for writing into the show, Curtis. I appreciate you as always, friend. Just Another Video Game Blog also chimed in over on our Facebook page and said, Sadly, I never played this game. Looking forward to hearing about it. No worries, friend. You are certainly not the only one who missed out on this game. Just like Curtis said, this game is a hidden gem and one that I hope the episode sheds a little bit of light on. I hope after the show you feel compelled to give it a try. And thank you for tossing out a comment over on our socials. I hope to be hearing more from you soon. And Matthew over on our Facebook page will have the last word this week. He said, Such a fun game, especially when you get on the train. Now, I have to be honest with you, Matthew, I do not remember a train in this game. Your comment actually made me think of the train level in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time for some reason. But if there was a train in Gunsmoke, I certainly missed it. It was very easy for me to fall into a flow state in this game, so I may have just had some tunnel vision going on. But still, you are 100% right about this game being fun. And at the end of the day, isn't that the goal? Thank you for chiming in, Matthew. I appreciate you giving us a listen. Originally released in 1985 in arcades, then ported over to the Nintendo in 1988, Gunsmoke puts us in the role of a lone gunman who's made his way into the town of Hicksville. Hicksville has recently been taken over by a band of outlaws known as the Wingates. 
The Wingates killed the sheriff of Hicksville, and now they spend their days raiding the town and terrifying the poor souls who still live there. All seemed lost until one fateful windy afternoon. A lone gunman wandered into Hicksville with a sunset behind him. This man had come to town to rid it of the Wingates and restore peace to Hicksville. How is one man going to take down a small army of outlaws and murderers, you might be wondering? Well, it's very simple, my friend. One bullet at a time. So let's gear up, Wildlanders. Grab your pistols, saddle your horses, and grab that wanted poster over there. The people of Hicksville are counting on us to save them from the Wingates and free the town. It is not going to be easy, though. The sheer number of outlaws in the town are massive, and they'll be throwing everything they have at us. We're going to need a keen eye, fast feet, and an even faster trigger finger to see this deed done. And when it's all said and done, the last thing we want our enemy to see is the gun smoke from the end of our pistols. day when I was but a wee little nomad. The original Nintendo was a gaming system I was fortunate enough to have at my grandmother's house growing up. We never had a ton of games for it, but the ones we did have for the most part just sort of appeared there. I never remembered the significance of when or why some titles appeared on the shelf. We had the classic Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt combo complete with the Zapper light gun, WWF WrestleMania, which was awful, but I always found a way to have fun with it, a couple different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games, and a few other random games. But at the time, I was maybe five or six years old. My grandparents weren't gamers, and I wasn't old enough to have any friends that could tell me about the games that they played or know what else was out there in the wild. I missed out on a ton of games, but I was never the wiser. I just assumed all we had at Grandma's was all that was out there. Fast forward to today. I'm a 38-year-old man who is still discovering video games I never knew about. We're to a point now where video games are much more prominent and available, and the sheer amount of games is just ridiculous. And while we ran the risk of missing out on a game 30 or so years ago just because we may never have heard of it, Nowadays, we run the risk of missing out on a game because now we just don't have as much time to play, and the sheer volume of games to play is astronomical. Now don't get me wrong, there are certainly worse problems in the world today. But as I get older and my available free time becomes less and less, I find that I'm very interested in video games that are not only fun to play, but are very respectful of my time. And I don't just mean short games, I'm talking about games that don't have a lot of fat or filler. Games that aren't weighed down by complicated game mechanics or bogged down with a convoluted story. A game that is fun to pick up and play, gives me a decent challenge, and keeps me wanting to come back for more. 
And of all the video games that I've come across in my travel so far, Gunsmoke is a video game that hits all the right notes. I cannot believe I missed out on this game growing up. It's one that I only recently heard of and decided to give a whirl, and my friends, holy shit, is this game awesome. Now, I don't want to spoil the entire episode right off the rip, but I really do like this game, and I really hope you check it out one day, which is why I want to talk about it today for no other reason than to spread the gospel that is Gunsmoke. It really is that simple of a concept, and it is that fun. So what makes Gunsmoke such a great game, or how all the pieces fit together to make this game what it is? The gameplay is simple yet robust, the difficulty is hard but fair, and everything you do in this game has meaning and purpose. Now, in order to make sense of all that, we need to break this game down and see exactly what it is that we're working with. So, what is this game? Gunsmoke is a Wild Western-themed, vertically-scrolling run-and-gun shooter, where players take control of Billy Bob, a lone gunman who comes into the town of Hicksville. The year was 1849, and the small town of Hicksville was where the pioneers worked hard during the Gold Rush era. One day, a group of outlaws known as the Wingates came into town, killed the sheriff, and took the town over. The Wingates raided the town every single day and terrified the people of Hicksville. Then came a lone gunman, in the windy afternoon with a sunset behind him, to save the town, to save the people of Hicksville from the Wingates. This part here is actually the opening text crawl when you boot the game up for the first time, and is the perfect setup for what we're going to be getting ourselves into in Gunsmoke. The game has one of the best story setups because it's short, it's sweet, and it's right to the point. You're the good guy, and your mission is to take out all of the bad guys. Doesn't need to be any more complicated than that, and I really appreciated the game for this. Really, I don't need to waste any more time talking about the game's story. We can jump right into the presentation and go straight into the game's awesome gameplay. Now, Gunsmoke officially released in arcades back in 1985, which was when I was just a one-year-old little boy crawling around my parents' home, causing all sorts of havoc. I never played or actually saw this game in an arcade, so I can't speak to it directly, really. And while I'm sure the arcade version is probably a bit more graphically polished, I do know the core gameplay concept between it and the Nintendo release are pretty much the same. Speaking of the presentation in Gunsmoke, which is a 35-year-old game on the Nintendo at this point, I think the visuals and graphics are pretty good overall. It's one of the few NES games that I know of that has an opening cinematic, and while that's certainly not groundbreaking nowadays, really, it does look pretty cool, and it sets the scene perfectly. When we're in the actual game, everything looks good for the most part. Across six stages, we'll be in locations such as the town of Hicksville itself, a mountainous region called the Boulders, a Comanche village, Death Mountain, the Cheyenne River, and finally Fort Wingate, where we'll face off against the leader of the Wingates himself. The town of Hicksville is probably my favorite stage just because it really captures that wild western feel, and the background music that plays here is the best in the entire game in my opinion. Buildings are on either side of you, and they look really well done. 
Once you leave Hicksville, though, and head out towards the mountains and other areas of the game, environments start to look a little too bland for my liking. The Boulder region, which is the second level, is just a bunch of brown rocks with some space-restricting rocky cliffs and probably my least favorite stage visually. The Comanche village tries to spice things up with patches of grassland and teepees that the enemy can hide in, but it really is just more of the same. Death Mountain probably looks the most bland out of all the levels, but it also comes equipped with narrow passageways and other movement-constricting aspects with its level design. This made it the hardest level for me personally, so it was sort of a bland double whammy. I would be dying constantly in a world that was not very visually appealing. But the Cheyenne River stage fixes all of that by opening up much more and offering up some good visual flair. Lush greenery lined the dirt path that you walk on, and the river itself is passable by staying on the wooden bridge, or if you really wanted to, you could walk through the river itself, and that really adds an awesome dynamic to the level as a whole. I will say, in a game where you're constantly smashing the shoot buttons on the controller and taking the lives of many a men in just mere seconds, this level was very peaceful and tranquil. Finally, the fort level at the end brings the game back to meh territory with its gray, stony aesthetic. But beyond the locations we'll be visiting, Gunsmoke's character sprites look pretty decent overall, too. The lone gunman you play as looks perfectly animated, and the enemy variety is pretty apparent, too. You'll be coming across your typical gun-toting punks who tend to wear green for some reason, bomb-throwing tough guys who look muscular and are complete with a gnarly mohawk, and even ninjas complete with swords, because why the hell not? I just have to assume the Wild West was just a crazy place to be in back in the day if ninjas are on the prowl, and in Gunsmoke, they do not mess around. Along with our hero, all the enemies look very distinct and are easy to distinguish on the battlefield. Which is a good thing since each enemy comes with their own tactics, so you need to be aware of who's who on the battlefield and what they're capable of if you want to see this thing through to the end. But we don't have just bad guys out and about, though. There will be some townsfolk from Hicksville that we can interact with, and they will sell us some supplies and weapons as we go. They're probably the most graphically detailed, which is good so they can stand out against the crowd of enemies. We'll get into what sort of goodies these kind-hearted citizens sell us when we talk about the gameplay here in a little bit. Before we get there, though, I have to shout out the game's soundtrack. The tunes that play while we're taking the fight to the Windgates are pretty good overall. It's not the best soundtrack on the NES or anything, but considering you're going to be hearing these tunes a lot while you work your way through each level, it's a good thing that the music is tolerable. The game's opening level has the best music on offer, and it does a great job of setting the scene for things to come. So, speaking of, I think it's time for us to slide Gunsmoke into our Nintendo and give this game a go. The presentation overall is fine, and the story setup is passable. They're decent appetizers, but now it's time for the juicy main course, and this steak has been cooked to near perfection. When we power up Gunsmoke, we're met with the title screen. It's all simple and right to the point. You have your high score displayed, and you can press the start button to get right into it. 
If we wait a few seconds though, we'll be met with the opening text crawl that I read earlier. It's accompanied by a pretty well done visual that shows Billy Bob entering the town of Hicksville with a horse by his side. Even though I've seen the opening multiple times up to this point, I can't help but watch it each time it comes up. It's a great set piece that gets me in the mood to be a hero every single time. Once we press start to enter the game, we're shown that we're going to be entering the town of Hicksville itself, and then we're given a picture of a wanted poster. In each of the six stages we're going to be working through, there's an outlaw that we'll be hunting. Once we find and dispatch that outlaw, the level will be complete and we'll move on to the next one. It's a simple enough concept on the outside, but there's some work that we'll need to do in order to confront each of the stage's final outlaw. The main outlaw in this first stage that we're about to embark on, we see is a man known as Bandit Bill. He'll be sporting a rifle as his main weapon, and we can also see that taking him out comes with a cash reward of $10,000. Alright, so we have our target. Let's unholster our six shooters and get to work. The first level opens up and we find ourselves in the town of Hicksville. Our character is at the bottom of the screen, and we have a few buildings to our left and to our right. At the top of the screen, we have our score counter. It's all zeros right now, but after a few bullets, that will change. The screen starts to automatically scroll upwards, so off we go. Almost right away, we have our first bandit coming in from the top left-hand side of the screen. The best thing that we can do in Gunsmoke is to constantly be shooting. We don't want to give this bandit or any others we come across the opportunity to shoot back if we can help it. Good thing for us though, shooting in this game is very simple. If we press B on the controller, our character will shoot his twin revolvers to the left. Now this is not completely to the left, it's more of a 45 degree angle upwards. Pressing A on the controller will have us shoot 45 degrees to the right. Pressing A and B together will have our character shoot directly out in front of them. It's pretty simple. Like most players, I assume, I found it to be sort of a pain in the ass to constantly press both buttons together to shoot out in front of me all the time, so I opted to alternate between shooting left and shooting right whilst staying mobile. And personally, I think that's the best approach in about 90% of the situations that you're going to find yourself in. Okay, so that's how we shoot. That bandit is closing in on us, and I don't think we should be giving him a chance to end our run before it begins. Let's take aim, and fire. All it takes is one hit, and down he goes. That poor bastard should never have messed with the town of Hicksville, and we're going to teach the rest of his pals that hard lesson, no question. As the screen moves forward, we can use the directional buttons to move our character around the play area, and we have pretty much free reign, so long as we aren't at the edge of the screen, butting up against an obstruction like a barrel or a fence, or anything like that. The key is going to be staying mobile, and rarely letting off our triggers. Due to the magic of video games, we don't have to worry about reloading, so we can just let the lead fly. Two more bandits approach from the top right-hand side of the screen at this point, so we maneuver over to the left-hand side, fire off to the right, and put two more bandits down for a dirt nap. Excellent. Nice shooting, stranger. And would you look at that? With three bandits down, we have 300 points. 
We'll circle back to how important your score is going to be here in a little bit, but whatever you do, we need to keep driving that number up as high as we can if we want to have a chance at finishing this game. Off to our right in front of a building, we can now see two barrels setting out. They seem a bit out of place compared to everything else that's being set up around us. And if video games like these have taught us anything, it's that objects like these can either be interacted with or destroyed. Since our trigger fingers are already moving a mile a minute, let's direct some fire into those barrels. When our bullets hit them, they make a distinct sound. Not only does this let us know that we're about to destroy these barrels, that specific sound will be very important later. After a few hits, the barrels vanish and we're left with some items that we can pick up. First, we see a pair of cowboy boots. If we pick this item up, our character's movement speed will increase, which is always a nice bonus. We can carry up to four boot power-ups at one time, so always grab these when you can. We move over to the boots and pick them up, and we are feeling pretty light on our feet all of a sudden. Now the second item that appeared from the barrels is a bag full of money. This item is pretty self-explanatory. Grabbing this will increase our score. Let's not let a single dollar go to waste, so let's head on over and grab the money and use it to line our pockets. As we continue on, there's a blue building off to our left and we can spot two more barrels in front of it. No new enemies have appeared for a few seconds, so instinct would probably tell you to head over to the barrels and start cracking them open. But we need to be careful. Sometimes there will be snipers positioned up high, and that just so happens to be the case here. It's barely visible, but if you look hard enough, you can see a rifle barrel protruding from the window. All we need to do is shoot in that general direction, and our bullets will travel up to meet the sniper. So let's take him out before taking out those barrels. Awesome. The coast is clear, so break down those barrels, and let's see what goodies we can grab this time. The first barrel is empty, which is a shame, but the second barrel contains a rifle. Now this power-up isn't an additional weapon, so it can be a little misleading at first. This power-up actually increases the range of your character's pistols. Like the boots, we can carry up to four of these at a time as well. This is another power-up that you should try to grab any chance that you can. Now, be warned, from what I've noticed, having multiple boots and gun power-ups don't stack the effect that they give. Example, if you collect three boot power-ups, you won't travel any faster than if you only had one. So, what's the point of that, you might be wondering? Mainly, you just want to collect them to have them in reserve. If you lose a life, which is very easy to do in this game, seeing as it only takes one bullet or one hit by the enemy to kill you, you'll lose one of those accumulated power-ups. So long as you have one handy after starting back up again, you'll still have that power-up boost. Oh, and there's an item that you might find in barrels called the Cattle Skull. It looks exactly like it sounds. Do not grab this, as it will take away one of each of your gun and boot power-ups, so be mindful there. As we continue on in the level, more bandits will pop up, and so long as we keep the pressure up and take them out as soon as they appear, they won't pose too much of a threat. It's when we let them accumulate on screen is when we're going to start to have a problem. 
The longer they endure, the more they move around, and the more bullets they start shooting in our direction. So keep moving, keep shooting, and we'll be fine. Now eventually new enemy types will start to pop up, and as soon as the stage takes us away from the buildings and into the open, the Dynamen will appear. These big boulder-punching men are much larger than regular bandits. They even sport an awesome 8-bit mohawk, so you know they mean business. These guys will chuck blue sticks of dynamite onto the ground. Why they're not red like I assume all other sticks of dynamite are, I don't exactly know. But no matter the color, you still want to be paying attention to them. After they start flashing for a short amount of time, they'll explode, and if you are unfortunate enough to be standing underneath one, you can kiss your ass goodbye. These big hulking dynamen don't take too much to kill, so all you gotta do is just keep shooting. And if you're feeling brave enough, you can walk over the dynamite on the ground before it explodes, and you'll pick it up. It basically disarms the dynamite and adds a couple of points to your score. You can't use the dynamite, which kinda sucks, but it's still a strategy to consider. It's usually at this point when I play Gunsmoke that I really start to fall into a flow state, and really find myself getting into the action. When I played the game for the very first time, it was right here that I decided I really enjoyed this game and couldn't wait to see what was next. So far, everything has been pretty simple, but very fun. Could this game possibly get any better? Well, as a matter of fact, it can and it does. Just up ahead on the left, we spot a red-headed woman with an exclamation point over her head. If you're anything like I was, you're firing your pistols wildly right now, and you'll notice that your weapons do not harm this woman. Which is a very good thing because we are meant to talk to her. When we approach her and get next to her, a menu opens up on screen. There's a list of items on screen, and it becomes very apparent that this lovely lady is also an arms dealer. And if you have enough cash on you, you can acquire new instruments of cowboy justice. Sweet! So let's take a quick moment to catch our breaths and talk about the arsenal of weapons at our disposal. We have our trusty six-shooters that we've been using that won't run out of ammunition. Generally speaking, they're pretty useful throughout the entire game, and they're not to be underestimated. However, the other three weapons in the store can make things much easier if we decide to purchase them. Now this is where your score comes in. Your overall score at the top of the screen actually translates to cash, and that's what you're going to be spending to purchase weapons. In my first playthrough, I had about 6,000 points when I got to this point, so you can buy at least one weapon if you want to. The first weapon that's on offer, thanks to our nice young lady, is the shotgun. When you use it, it's going to fire bullets out in a spread pattern, pretty close to how the spread gun works in Contra. The range is pretty decent too, so this weapon is fantastic for crowd control. Another nice thing about the shotgun is that, when you shoot it to the left or the right, it's still angled upwards a bit, just like your revolvers, but the spread is so wide that one of the bullets will travel completely horizontal compared to your character, so you can nail any enemies to the immediate side of you. This will become very useful when enemies start appearing to the sides of you and even behind you, which is a huge pain in the ass. Next on the list is the machine gun. These are just automatic versions of your standard pistols. 
All you need to do is hold down the fire button on the controller instead of having to tap it over and over again to watch a steady stream of bullets go flying. The machine gun is very useful, especially if you're starting to develop blisters on your fingers and need to give them a little break. After the machine gun, we have the Magnum. For some reason, I don't know if it was a localization thing or not, the Magnum is spelled M-A-G space N-U-M in the menu. So I guess it's called the Magnum? I don't know. Anyway, the Magnum is the most powerful out of all the weapons that you can carry. It fires just like your default pistols, but it packs a hell of a punch. This is useful for some of the tougher enemies that can take a few more shots before they go down normally, and it's an incredible weapon to use against the bosses at the end of each stage. I would almost argue that this weapon is essential against bosses in the later half of the game. Now, there are some things that you need to know and consider about these weapons. If you decide to purchase one, it will be added to your inventory, and you can switch to it at any time. It's not a limited time power-up, it's actually added to your arsenal, which is awesome. All we need to do is press the select button to bring up our inventory during the normal course of play, and that's it, simple enough. But here are the kickers. First, these weapons don't have unlimited ammo like your default pistols. You'll need to purchase ammo from other townsfolk you come across, or you need to find them in barrels, or they actually drop from enemies as well. Now, while ammo is fairly plentiful, there were times that I would go a little too wild and blow through my ammo before I found any more. Another quick thing to point out, too, is when you purchase a weapon from one of the townsfolk, it will come with no bullets, so just bear that in mind. Now, this next thing is a little important, so listen up, stranger. If you are using a purchased weapon and you decide it would be a great time to go get yourself killed, that weapon will be gone from your inventory when you respawn. You'll need to find another townsperson that's selling the weapon that you just lost and purchase it all over again. If you have any other weapons on you, those weapons will still be there when you respawn. And you can't lose your default pistols, so that's something to keep in mind too. But you have to be mindful when you're throwing around bullets with weapons like your Magnum. Don't get too complacent because if you die and lose that powerful gun, especially if you need it to help you fight a boss at the end of a stage, you are gonna have a bad time. So, a quick aside, speaking of death, when you die, you'll actually start right back up where you fell, as long as you have lives that you can use, so you aren't really penalized too terribly much. The real problem is when you lose all of your lives. While the game comes with unlimited continues, using a continue means that you start at the very beginning of the stage without any weapons, any power-ups, and no money. That last part right there is the real kick in the balls. As you play and accumulate money, you'll need that money to outfit yourself with weapons, ammo, and other things. If you're in the later stages of the game where the difficulty really ramps up and your pockets are empty, you are gonna have a bad time. But wouldn't it be cool if we had a way to avoid death? Well, we sort of do. The fourth weapon that you can buy from the townsfolk that sell guns is a weapon called the Smart Bomb. 
While I don't think the name of this weapon is the best for how it's used, it is a must-have if you can afford it. Basically, this weapon isn't really a usable weapon in the traditional sense. When you equip it in your inventory, you'll still be using your regular pistols. The kicker is, if you take any damage while you have the smart bomb equipped, everything, with the exception of bosses, will immediately die in a bright white flash of wild western death. And the best part? You will remain unharmed. It's almost an essential tool to have in order to pass through each level to the end. Speaking of the end, another seamless transition, the levels in Gunsmoke are pretty unique in that they technically never end. The boss at the end of each stage never appears unless you have a wanted poster in your inventory. I know, it sounds kind of strange, but it sort of works for this type of game. Hidden in each level is a wanted poster. It's completely invisible, and the only way to make it appear is by shooting at it and hitting it a total of eight times. But Nomad, how can I shoot something I can't see, especially if I have to shoot it eight times? That is a valid question, potential listener. You see, if you're truly engaged in the level, you are firing bullets repeatedly and without pause there's a good chance that you're going to make contact with the wanted poster without really even having to look for it. The thing that you need to know is that when your bullets strike the hidden location of a wanted poster, they will make the same sound as shooting a barrel. Were you paying attention, class? Do you remember what that sounds like? Exactly, so keep your ears open. Once you collect the wanted poster, the stage will continue on, but once it gets to the end point, the scrolling will stop and the level's big bad will appear on screen for you to duke it out with. If you don't have a wanted poster, the level will keep scrolling and you'll technically have to go through the level again. This can be a good thing if you're looking to increase your score and have more spending money, but just be sure that you don't lose all your lives in the process. And on the other side of the coin, if you look at it that way too, is this can be pretty annoying if you're just looking to finish the level and get on with your life. Now once you find a location of a hidden wanted poster, it will be in that exact spot every time you play, so that's something you want to consider. But what if you don't want to spend the time trying to locate the wanted poster? Well, you can just buy one. Some of the townsfolk you come across in the level will let you buy a wanted poster, which saves you the trouble of having to find it. The bad news here, though, is that the wanted poster tends to be pretty damn expensive, so you're going to need to weigh your options when considering it. When I step back and look at the wanted poster idea, I really like this game mechanic. While you certainly need the wanted poster to progress, I like that I could just play a level over and over again and grind out bad guys to make more money. This way, as I got to the later levels, I had plenty of cash to keep my weapons topped off and a smart bomb on my person at all times. Oh, and I almost forgot. Some townsfolk will allow you to purchase a horse. There's one horse that you can find in a barrel in the very first stage, but you have to buy one in every single stage after that in the NES version for some reason. When you jump on a horse, your speed will increase dramatically, and the best part, you'll be able to take several hits before losing your trusty steed. 
The horse isn't too expensive if you're keeping your score topped off, and if you combine it with an arsenal of overpowered weapons, you're going to be in a pretty good position to see yourself freeing the people of Hicksville once and for all. Gunsmoke is an incredibly simple game, but it has some layers of complexity that I absolutely love. While we talked a bit about the gameplay earlier and what you can come to expect when you play Gunsmoke, it's how this game makes you feel that really makes this game a must-play. For me, I will never forget that first five minutes when I played this game for the first time. The opening text crawl accompanied by the awesome music certainly got me in the mood to shoot me some bad guys. But as soon as I was plopped into the first stage, I had a genuine smirk form on my face pretty damn quick. Dodging enemy fire, taking out the bad guys, collecting power-ups, racking up cash. It was the simplest of gameplay loops, but the thrill of it all was undeniable. Very few games grabbed me in the first five minutes quite like Gunsmoke did. The very first level of the game isn't too difficult and is a pretty good tutorial level to get you used to the game and how it controls. I think I only lost two lives playing it my very first time while I was getting used to it all, and today I can beat it flawlessly with no issues. The second level isn't too bad either. The number of enemies on screen increases in this stage, but still, if you're staying mobile and you keep your pistols firing, there isn't too much that you have to worry about in most cases. Now when you reach stage 3, the kid gloves are going to come straight off and Gunsmoke starts to get pretty tough pretty fast. Many more enemies will appear on screen at once and they'll be much more aggressive towards you. Some enemies will shoot you from afar, others from the safety of enclosures, and some enemies will hop all over the playfield to try and land right on top of you. There's a lot on screen that you'll need to keep track of, and I can guarantee you will be overwhelmed the first time you get this far in the game. Now, if you can make it past stage 3, which is completely doable, and make it to stage 4, that is when shit really hits the fan. Right off the bat, you'll notice you're starting to fight ninjas. Yes, ninjas. I have no idea what the hell they're doing here, but they're here, so we're just going to have to deal with it. Ninjas, of course, are very fast-moving enemies, but believe it or not, Stage 4 introduces enemies that are even bigger threats. Eventually, you'll find that enemies will no longer appear on screen directly in front of you all the time. They'll start to appear behind you and try to shoot you in the back like the dishonorable dicks that they are. That sounds awful on the surface, but the worst thing about the whole thing is that your character can only shoot bullets forwards towards the top of the screen. You can't turn around and take shots behind you. This changes the gameplay dynamic pretty drastically because now you need to move your character farther forward, exposing yourself to more gunfire and other enemies, just so you can have those backstabbers move up far enough for you to fall back and then flank them in order to take them out. While Stage 3 is a hearty challenge, Stage 4 will test your commitment. But this in no way should dissuade you from playing this game, my friends. Gunsmoke is tough, but it is fair. What I mean is, I can't think of a single time I died and felt like the game was being cheap. If I died, it was generally on me. The game gives you all the resources and abilities to see yourself through, so there is no blaming any sort of thing like bad game design or anything like that. 
I will say the one thing I found slightly annoying was that the occasional screen flicker that you might get with your older NES games pops up here a little bit, so I did lose track of some of the little projectiles heading towards me every once in a while. But the instances where this did happen were very rare, and as long as I kept moving, I would find that it would be a non-factor 99 times out of 100. The only other really annoying thing about this game are those cowardly enemies that come up from behind you. That in and of itself is just frustrating by design, and you will get killed more often than you want to due to those pricks, but still. Patience and a quick trigger finger can still win the day. Now while the game is tough, there's plenty of strategy you're going to need to employ to be successful here. These are just some of the things that I slowly learned along the way, and I have to say, I had a blast working through these little nuances and becoming a pretty rough and tumble cowboy by the end of it all. First up, keep enemies in front of you if you can help it. Like I mentioned just now, you can't shoot behind you, and your backside is where you're most vulnerable. If you have the shotgun and shoot it to either side, one of the bullets will run parallel with the bottom of the screen so you can hit enemies directly on your sides, and that's about as good as it's going to get. Keep these bastards in front of you. Second, try and remain in the middle of the screen somewhat. Don't go too far forward, don't go too far back, and stay away from the sides. Eventually, enemies will start showing up on all sides of the playing field, and you don't want to lose a life needlessly because you walked into somebody. It's like when you bump into somebody leaving the restroom right as you're coming in. It's embarrassing, it's awkward, and in this game, it'll get you killed. Next, while barrels are a prime source of power-ups, cash, and ammunition, do not prioritize them over the enemies that are on screen. I am very guilty of prioritizing barrels because I love the prizes inside, and I just have a collector's mentality. But trust me, there is no power-up in this game that is worth losing a life over. Well, unless you're trying to collect an extra life, at which point I say take the chance. But beyond that, your real treasures are your weapons. Enemies will occasionally drop some things that you're going to find in barrels anyway, so there's really no need to get greedy. Just be patient, keep up the fire, and wait for your opportunity. And lastly, do everything you can not to run out of lives. While you're learning the game, this will happen, and that's fine. But if you're to the point where you're ready to give this game an honest run, and you want to try to go all the way, having to continue is very bad, and can actually halt your entire run, even though I did say there were unlimited continues. The reason I say this is because of the game's difficulty, that big difficulty spike that you get to once you hit stage 3. If you die and use a continue and start over with no money, it is much harder to accumulate all the money and weapons you lost because of the difficulty of those stages. I would actually go so far as to say, if you're in stage 3 or later, and you lose all your lives and you're trying to beat the game, just reset and start over. The one time I beat this game after a bunch of practice, I wouldn't get the wanted poster in the first level of the game, and I would just let that level run over and over again, so I could accumulate points on the easiest level. Once I had a couple hundred thousand, I just got the wanted poster, beat the level, and then I moved on. 
from there, I had enough money to buy all the weapons and any supply I needed at any time I needed them, even a wanted poster or two if I didn't feel like looking for them. It was very time-consuming in the beginning, but even playing the first level over and over again is a good time, so it really wasn't any skin off my back. So as we wrap it all up, Gunsmoke is not a very complicated game, it is not a very deep game, and it is not a very long game either. Really, I wasn't sure I could put together a show on this one since the overall package was so small. But what is here is very high quality. Gunsmoke may not be the most accessible game these days, but outside of getting an old NES cartridge of the game, they did release this game on a few collections. Offhand, I do know this game was ported to the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn as part of the Capcom Generation 4 collection. It's also on the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and PlayStation Portable as part of the Capcom Classics collection, and part of the Capcom Arcade Cabinet collection, which you can find on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. I personally own the Capcom Classics collection on my PSP, which has the Gunsmoke arcade version on it. Now, for this episode, I did play the original NES version, I just wanted to make that clear. I also want to make clear that I do not own this game on the Nintendo, so I will leave it to your imaginations to figure out how I was able to play this one. Yar. <laughs> Seriously, though, however you can play this game, make sure that you do it. Video games, for me, are meant to be played so that you can enjoy them, have fun, and maybe escape your worldly troubles at times. And that's exactly what happens when I play this game. Everything about Gunsmoke is honed to a fine edge. And really, the experience you have with this game is completely up to you. Feel like killing 15 minutes just to see how far you can get? Great, do that. Want to go all the way by saving up as much cash as you can, acquire all the weapons, and build up all of your abilities? Fantastic, do that thing. Or maybe you just want to do a run and see how much cash you can accumulate and not spend any of it and just rely on your trusty six-shooters. That sounds awesome, do that too! No matter how you play this game, you're going to have a good time with it. In a world full of time sinks like open-world games, RPGs, 20-plus long-hour campaigns, collect-a-thons, online service games, story-rich narratives, I argue the best games out there are the simple ones like Gunsmoke. Because at the end of the day, there is nothing more pure than just wanting to play a good guy who takes out the bad guys. that, we've come to the end of another tale, my friends. This has been episode 37 of the Retro Wildlands, Gunsmoke for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Thank you very much for tuning into the show today. I really enjoyed having you with us on our gaming expedition into the Wildlands, my friend. 
I was kind of worried at first that I wouldn't have too much to talk about with this game for as simple and short as it is, but when I really thought about it, there was no way I couldn't talk to you all about this game. I was impressed with it that much. So I hope the show was entertaining, and I hope it did Gunsmoke some justice. Seriously, go find a way to play this game. You will not regret it. And if you do, let me know what you think. I don't know hardly anyone that has played this game, so I'm hoping this is the beginning of us spreading the gospel that is Gunsmoke. We all could use a simple video game in our lives, and this game is one that fits that bill perfectly. If you like the show and want to show it and myself some support, please consider subscribing or following us on your preferred podcasting platform. While I try my hardest to work in a consistent posting schedule while I balance all the other aspects of my life, it doesn't always work out that way, so making sure you follow or subscribe is going to be the best way to get notified when I do drop new episodes. Content may be coming out slowly for the time being, but I have zero intentions of stopping the show anytime soon. Now, if you really like what I'm trying to do over here, I would appreciate it if you spread the word about the Retro Wildlands to your friends or family, and I would also appreciate it if you could take a little bit of time and leave us a good review on your podcasting platform if you're able. Good reviews, I assume, will help circulate the show, and I'd love to see it reach more people. And if nothing else, I love kind-hearted words, so they'll just make me feel good, so I'd appreciate it. And if you haven't already, don't forget to follow us over on social media. You can find the Retro Wildlands over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even YouTube if you search at Retro Wildlands. You are more than welcome to follow our channels and interact with the show, or you can use those platforms to reach out to me directly. I'll toss out some updates about the show, show off something from my gaming collection, maybe slip in a picture of my puppy, or whatever sort of random goodness makes sense that day. So feel free to join us over on social if that's anything that interests you. So, what's coming up next? If I keep up with the current rotation, we're probably looking at another one of my top 10 lists next time. I have a few topics I've been tossing around, like my top 10 favorite video game dogs, my top 10 favorite video game enemies, and even my top 10 favorite side quests. I also have a few Super Nintendo games that I've finished up over the last couple weeks that I'm working on episode scripts for. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet, as I may veto the one game I'm working on in favor of another one that I just started, but one of these days, I, I know I'll be going back to a more committed schedule, but... Really, at the end of the day, I'm just enjoying letting my heart lead me around and playing and talking about whatever it is that interests me in the moment, so I don't want to commit to a show, change it on you, and then the next show you listen to is not what I was expecting you to listen to in that moment, so forgive me if I don't have a schedule right off the rip. But hey, that's what keeps the Wildlands interesting, my friends. I hope you'll join me next time when we set out into the gaming wilderness and see what kind of awesome adventures that we can find together. You'll always have a place here on our expedition, so do not be afraid to join up at any time. With that said, I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon. Until then, my friends, my name is Nomad, and you can find me roaming the retro wildlands. <laughs> <laughs>